tour all night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos. There you'll see what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Once again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos to help us continue to make high-quality and tourytainment for you. Everybody. The European 2023 tour is just around the corner and we want to talk about it. Tori's added some exciting new cities to the mix and, just for fun, she shuffled the order of the old cities. So now we got to replan, regroup, and yes, re-record. It's a brand new year, a brand new season, and a brand new era of tour all night. From ocean to ocean to ocean to ocean too, we're your guide to everything tour. This episode is a brand new episode in the series. In fact, it's the very last brand new episode of the series, and it's a very bittersweet thing to put the series to rest. But on the plus side, I feel very, very prepared for Europe. And today we talk to one of my favorite people, my boyfriend, Michael Westhoff. He knows everything about everything travel, and especially everything French. So I was excited to have him on to share his knowledge. Shout out to our original tour guide, Nelly. I hope you feel better, girl, and I can't wait to talk to you when we get to Leo. I have perhaps the tour guide I'm most excited to talk to today. On the line, we have the consummate Francophile. We have my boyfriend, Michael Westhoff. Hi, Michael. Hello. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. How are you? Feeling good. I'm so excited we're going to be on this trip so soon. I know. It's very, very soon. Oh, my God. Kind of snuck up on us. This is not your first time. You're no stranger to tour all night. So how have you been since the last tour? My goodness. When was the last tour? Feels like forever ago, honestly. In in, in 2022? Yeah. Uh, I've just been working a lot and getting ready to tour again. That's what I live for. Just always, always tour? Yes, always on my mind. You have been to how many countries in your lifetime? Oh, I'm not sure the exact number, but a, a, quite a few. Are we talking... Maybe a, around 30. No, it's more like at least... It's at least 30 40. Or 40. You sent me that list. It's at least okay. 40. That's wild. Yes. I've been to the United States and England and Scotland and Ireland and Mexico and Canada. That's well, it. That's a good start. Yeah. So this is a big deal for me, this trip, but I'm sure it's a big deal for you too. Now, tell us your Tory story, how you came to the music. Tell us everything. So... When I was a kid, the, my parents were early adapters of the technology of cable television. Ooh. And the television was always on in the house. Television was like my babysitter. And when there was nothing on television that we wanted to watch, we would just have MTV on because MTV would just play music at the time. And I really grew up with the whole MTV aesthetic and it really shaped the way I see music and see culture. But I guess when I was about 13, 14 years old, um, at the time, MTV had a, they would have something called a buzz. I don't remember whether whether it was the buzz clip or the breakthrough video. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. I do remember the breakthrough videos. So I guess it was early in 1992. The video for Silence All These Years was the buzz clip or the breakthrough video. And the the VJ, the host on MTV, would always make a point to say, this is our breakthrough video. This is Tori Amos. She plays piano. She's a singer-songwriter. Basically, we think she's going to be something. So here's the video. And she said, that video was the featured buzz clip or whatever for that month. And that was the first time I ever saw her or heard her music. 
And I was very drawn in by the piano and the kind of mixing of sexuality and religious guilt. It was something that I could, <laughs> I, I was a big Madonna fan, so oh, that yeah. resonated with me. <laughs> yeah, so she'd already been through the Blonde Ambition, God, right after Like a Virgin. Exactly, and I was I was watching my tape of the HBO Blonde Ambition concert <laughs> on a regular basis at that point, and... Also, I really just loved the piano, like that, the introduction, the intro to the song, I found really haunting and drew me in right away. It's interesting, because I've never thought of the two together really like that. But if you look at, because I too was watching, I was also watching the Blonde Ambition tour, and I was obsessed with the moment of like the masturbation sequence into God, looking up at the camera or the sky, and then going into like a prayer. And if you Mm -hmm. think about like that compared to like what Tori was doing on that first album, they're very, very similar thematically, but Tori seemed probably much more approachable and like much more stripped down without this, like the pomp and circumstance of Madonna. Yeah. She wasn't the most famous woman in the world (laughs) at the time. So yes, it was more approachable from that sense. But I also found as, as time went by and I got more into her, I found that I was really relating to other Tory fans in my life. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that she was so, it was so easy to talk about her and her music because her lyrics are so often so opaque. You know, you could talk about, we could talk all about her lyrics and her songs for for hours and hours. So I, I used to steal, I used to like write her lyrics in my notebook and like pretend they were my poetry and then have my teachers dissect <laughs> them and try to figure out like what I meant. <laughs> I, I I never used her poetry as my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's healthy. Um, did you? Were you already playing piano? Um, was I? Um, it came up. My, I started getting interested in playing piano right around the same time. I never took piano lessons. I never studied piano. I had studied voice, so I knew how to read music, and I taught myself how to play piano that way. For Christmas one year, my parents bought me a like portable, like plastic uh, Yamaha keyboard, and I would play that. And I would buy Tori songbooks and try to learn them, but I was teaching myself, so I was never great. <laughs> and you never took lessons? No, never. You know, when you take private piano lessons, at least from what I understood at the time, like you had to have your own piano. The piano teacher would come to your house. We didn't have a piano in my house. Mm. And I don't think anyone was going to teach me on that little plastic keyboard, so. <laughs> I'm very excited to have you here because you're here to talk about Lille, which is a city you've never been to. But unlike other people who are talking about cities they've never been to, Michael, I feel confident, knows everything about this city. Not only are you our tour guide for Lille, you're my tour guide for the entire tour. All of Europe. All of Europe. I've never felt more uh, taken care of or safe. I'm actually encouraging Michael to list company manager on his resume for the Sideways Society because he's really handled every, every aspect of this tour the only thing i did is beautify the spreadsheet like i added color and alternating (laughs) like data lines (laughs) that's all i've done (laughs) yes you're very good with the formatting thank you i do what i can but that's not true you've done a lot more than that and it's a pleasure to help out it's what i do best it is i mean you're you're really good at it i feel like um in some ways i feel like meryl streep making decisions like walking down the hall you're like should we do this or this i'm like that one do you want to leave at 10 in the morning or eight in the morning i'm like 10 in the morning yeah it's great you're very good at this thank you you make it seem very efficient oh so we are starting the whole tour we're starting in cambridge and we're going all the way through zurich and we're only skipping copenhagen and oslo so we missed the first five shows and then the two in the middle right after Lille. can you explain why we're missing copenhagen and oslo tell the people 
Well, we're going to spend some more time hanging out in France I because France is a very romantic place. Oh. And I thought, it, I, I think, and I think we both feel that it would be nice to have a little vacation in the middle of our tour. Yeah. Especially by that point, which is coming at the, yeah, especially at that point, because that's coming like at the end of it too. So we're going to want to rest, I think. And those last three dates are like a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because they were the first three dates last tour, like the postponed tour. It went, uh, wasn't it Berlin, Katowice, St. Pulten? And that was a whirlwind. And we end still on a mm -hmm. whirlwind. Yes. <laughs> it's terrible. Which is it's two of the same cities. Yeah. What are we going to do? It's like those last three shows are just like back to back to back. We're just going to hope that our trains depart and arrive on time. Right. I'm not even. Yeah. Don't put that energy out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you've done your research on Lille. Lille takes place on April 22nd, 2023, which is a Tuesday. Is that right? Saturday. Saturday. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's a Saturday. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's a Saturday. There's one way to find out, and that's going through my phone, and it is a Saturday. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Yes. It, I think it's an opportunity for people from Paris to take a weekend trip to Lille to see the show if they want to. Mm. Everyone okay. out there. How far is Lille from Paris? So we're coming from Paris. The show before is Paris on the Thursday, <laughs> and we're spending Friday in Paris, right? Yes. And then we head to Lille on Saturday. Now, tell us a little bit about the difference between Paris and Lille the trip, the distance, and what Lille is like as a city, like the Lille vibes. So Lille is in the north of France. It's north of Paris. The easiest and quickest way to get there is by high-speed train, the, the TGV. And with the TGV, you can get there in, I think, a little over an hour. Um, there are also slower trains that make more stops and take about two hours, and but they cost a little bit less. But Lille is in... An historical region called French Flanders. Um, it is right on the border, on the boundary oh. with, with Belgium. Is it a floating city? It has a river next to it, and <laughs> it has a citadel that has a canal around it. So I'm sure parts of the city flows. Lille goes to my head. Yes. <laughs> so in the Middle Ages, the region of Flanders was very um, an industrious and wealthy area and it had been controlled by many great European powers, including the Austrians and the Dutch and the Spanish. So it was always on this border between France, one great power, and whatever random competing great European power was on the other side of the border. And eventually in the 18th century, I believe, uh, Louis XIV finally took control of the part of Flanders that controls that is that includes Lille and it's been a part of France ever since then. I think one of the most uh, obvious things that recurs in Lille's history is that because of its location, it has been under siege many times during the war wars in Europe, um, including the two world wars of the 20th century. It was occupied by Germany twice. So something that Louis XIV did when he took over was he built a big citadel, which is this big, uh, it is a Pentagon-shaped fortification to protect the city, and today it's a great place where you can go. Um, it's an urban parkland today, so it's a place where people do enjoy. I think a small part of it is still controlled by the French military, um, but most of it is an urban uh, green space today. Wow. I'm looking at pictures of this citadel. Can you can you see it from overhead? Yeah, like how, yeah, Wait, it's Pentagon-shaped. Like yeah. So yeah, it was it was designed by a famous military engineer at the time. It does feel very military, like how everything is enclosed, encapsulated, yet like you have a vantage point from all around. Exactly. The the basic concept was is that you an enemy can't approach a wall without 
people in the fort being able to fire upon them from yeah. another part of it. And you say it's an urban green space now. So like, are we able to walk around and just kind of look around yes. at our leisure? You can walk around. You can walk around. I believe there's a, there's a zoo and a small amusement park there as well. Oh. Um, and there's a bunch of old historic military um, constructions that you can you can see. Did you say an amusement park? And it's basically, <laughs> there's a small, I believe there is a small amusement park. <laughs> can we go to that? <laughs> Sure. Right. I, I would love to check out the entire park. Okay, great. I can't wait. That sounds fun. Will they have cotton candy, though? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I believe in French that's called Barb Papa, I think it's called. Barb de Papa? It means it, it's, it's called a, a Papa's Beard. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's what cotton candy is called yes, in French. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> okay, so tell us more. Where has Lille come? Like, that is the history. Now, tell us what they're like today. What are the vibes? Keeping that idea, I guess, that the idea of constantly being under siege, has that, is it a conservative town? Um, I think the town itself, it's the main city in a large metropolitan area. I believe it's the fourth largest in France, and that metropolitan area includes parts of Belgium. So I think it's a city center that's very well developed today and very liberal and with a large um a great diversity of people living there. When they constructed the high-speed rail, they put Lille basically in the center of the network in between Paris, Brussels, and London. So Lille is like the crossroads of Europe. So it's today. like accessible totally. Yes, it's an hour from France. It's an hour and a half from London. It's less than an hour from Brussels. What's the population? I believe the population of the city, that city itself isn't all that big, maybe 260,000 people. Yeah, 236,000 people, but the greater metropolitan area has is home to several million people. It's about one and a half million people in it. Oh, okay. It's the fourth largest metropolitan area in France. So, and you've never been there? I haven't. I've been to Paris uh, quite a few times, and I've been to other regions in France, but never this part of France. I've only been on the train through Lille on my way to London or uh, Brussels from Paris. I'm trying to I'm trying to gauge on the whole tour what are the cities you've never been to. So I'm just going to say them in order. Tell me, stop me when you haven't been to a place. <laughs> okay. We've got Cambridge. You haven't been there, right? No, I have not. Okay. Cambridge, London, Brussels, Amsterdam, Bremen. Never been to Bremen. Berlin, Halle on the River Saale. Never been there. Uh, Milan. Have you been to Lyon? No, I have not. Oh, my God. Again, only on the train going through. This is a French experience for you. It sure is. What are you most excited about, Lyon or Lille? I'm more excited about Lyon, but only because we're spending more time there. Oh, are we? Oh, okay. It's just, it's, I think we have a free day in, in Lyon. Oh, great. So we're going to be coming, we're going to be spending the Friday in Paris, getting to Lille, spending all of Saturday in Lille, and then leaving on Sunday. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> to go to Bordeaux? Yes. Okay. Exactly. What if my French is, I mean, I know my French is terrible. <laughs> what if I, I hope, I'm going to work on it. You know, my experience has been that, especially people that work in the service industry are, and who are younger are very good in English and very happy to practice their English with customers. Mm. Um, I didn't always speak that great of French and I never had a problem there. But now you're fluent in French, right? I would not say I'm fluent, but I but I get by. Okay. <laughs> I live I live in a majority French speaking city, and I work in customer service, and I take care of customers in both French and English, and I do an okay job. Okay. <laughs> but I wouldn't say I'm fluent. But it's a different kind of French. Are you going to point out the differences when we get there? When we get to France? Oh, see, that's going to be interesting because I'm really curious what they're going to think of how I speak French. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll see. Because uh, what's going to wind up happening is I'm going to say something in French that doesn't make sense to them because it's not the way they speak French. It's the way they speak French here in Quebec. <laughs> so you'll find out. And then I'll try to say the same exact thing and they'll get perspective. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll give you an example. Do you know how to say thank you in French? Uh, merci. Merci, yeah. Now, the response to that question, you know, in English, you would say you're welcome. In France, there's a few ways to say it. You can say je rien, je vous en prie. Um, but in Quebec, they say bienvenue. And bienvenue is the word for welcome, like the way you would say you're welcome in English. But in French, French in France, that just means, you know, welcome, welcome to England, welcome <laughs> to France, bienvenue en France. And so when you say bienvenue after someone says thank you, merci in France, <laughs> They're not going to understand what you're doing. So no bienvenue, only Darianne. Darianne. Yeah, Darien. that's the easiest. Okay, great. Okay, talk to me more about Lille. What is the public transportation like once we're in there? First, what time do we arrive? And what's the first thing that we're doing? Uh, I believe we arrive in the late morning. And uh, perhaps we should um, drop our bags off at the hotel and, and get some lunch. Okay. If you're asking about public transportation... I would say the train stations, there are two train stations, this is important to know. One is called Lille-Flandre, and the other one is called Lille-Europe, Lille-Europe. Um, but they're right next to each other, so there's not going to be any confusion about where you wind up in the city. They're, they're side by side, basically. Okay. There is a metro. It's interesting. It's a, it's a driverless metro. Oh, um, like a... The trains run automatically. Wow. Like, a, like an airport people mover. Yeah. I believe it was one of the first and one of the largest uh, type of projects at the time it was built in the 60s. But the city center, the venue, most of the hotels and restaurants and anything you would want to see in Lille is all walking distance from each other. The city center is very small. And we're right in the middle. Yeah, you'd only really need to use the metro if you're feeling really lazy or really tired. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? This is towards the end of the tour. This is coming into the third, third. Yeah. You know, we're going to look at the uh, Google Maps and be like, it's an 18-minute walk. Right. And it's going to Call be like, me an Uber. Gonna... Yeah. I believe on Saturday, though, the Metro runs pretty late, probably till 1.30 or 2.30 in the morning. I'm down for a fully walkable tour. I'm trying to get my 10,000 steps a day, which I get here in L.A., so I want to get, like, I want to, I want to up my game. I want to try to do, like, 20,000 steps a day. Is that absurd? That is going to happen. It is going to happen? Without yeah. Without even trying. Okay, good. Yes. And this is coming in right before our vacation, so, like... I think that by the time we get to Lille, I think we'll be rejuvenated and excited about that vacation. So it'll give us an energy, like a yes. third wind. Yes, exactly. We're going to need it by then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's walkable. What is it like on a Saturday? Is there any notable difference? Is it like, does it become suddenly like a young college town? <laughs> I know that it is a college town, but I don't exactly know what the, what a Saturday night scene is typically like in Lille. Yeah, that's all I know for sure. Are we going to be in um, that mindset? <laughs> do you know if it's a do you know how late everything is open? I mean not that it matters cuz we'll be walking. And it's pretty safe at night, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, everything is relative and you know, if you live in a major American city, you you deal with that same it's a more comfortable level than what you'd experience in a major American city cuz it's a small town. It's a medium-sized town, I would call it. Let's take a moment. I want you to tell me your favorite French experience. How, you say you've been to France several times. Like, has it always been yes. just to Paris? I have been to Paris. I've been to Avignon. And I've been to um, St. Malo, which is a, a town on the English Channel in Brittany. 
And you've loved every moment of every trip. Yes. I, I love sitting down in a cafe and just um, sitting outside, having a, a coffee or a glass of wine or a beer and watching people watching is always so much fun there. And the food is delicious. We can talk about the food. Oh, we do. We will get to the food. I want to hear all about it. Okay, good. <laughs> so we're going to be there April 22nd, which is a Saturday, and I'm looking at the weather, and it says that it is 55 degrees high, 41 degrees low, and that's Fahrenheit. And what is that in Celsius? Let's look. 12 degrees Celsius. Is that cold? That's like that's brisk. Um, that's a, a, a that's a spring day, but more on the brisk side, I would say. Yeah, that's like windbreaker members only jacket weather. It's not like yeah, pico sounds, weather. I li- I live in Quebec. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> You're like shorts. It sounds like shorts. It sounds like yeah, <laughs> no problem. Uh, my time in Quebec this uh, Christmas, it was freezing. It was definitely colder than 55 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. <laughs> That, yes, it was. And that wasn't even the, the coldest it gets in the winter. It was just very snowy when you were here. You know, I've been like editing these Tour All Night episodes. And I guess something that happened when we first recorded most of them was that I had been through a 55 degree night in Los Angeles. And I keep like talking about it in all these episodes, but I keep trimming it out because it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I like talk about how it got down to 55 degrees in LA and I had to wear <laughs> my thermal shirt, my puffy jacket, my coat, my robe and a blanket. I was like, <laughs> it was absurd. Well, again, it's like many things. It's relative. Yeah. Time has toughened me. <laughs> Good. I'm excited though. It doesn't say that it's going to be raining or anything yet, but I think that's the best thing about this like tour being postponed and also like coming in a couple months later is like it's not going to be as cold as we expected in the beginning. Uh, my experience is being in Europe in the spring, uh-huh. especially the northern part, uh-huh. which is I'm, I'm thinking of the Netherlands, which is close to Lille. I remember being in Amsterdam once the week of Easter and it wasn't super warm, but there was sunshine and <laughs> Everybody was everybody was outside. Everyone was out on their little stoops. Like oh. they would always be. If there was a big square, everyone would be sitting on the terraces on the sunny side. <laughs> and oh. the four restaurants in the shadowy side had nobody in them. <laughs> so people in that part of Europe, and I can relate to this. Like they just love love it when spring comes, and they love to be outside. They love to be in the sun. <clears throat> and if it's a sunny day, we're, we'll definitely see that there, and we'll see it in Lille too. I'm sure. I love hearing that about Easter because we'll be there. We'll be like coming out of uh, yes, out of Amsterdam yes. on Easter. Like we're there Easter Friday. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So if it's sunny, you're good. Everyone's going to be out. Okay, great. I can't wait. It just seemed before like it was going to be so difficult and like wet. And this is my first time in most of these places. Uh, so. Yeah. No, February didn't sound like a great month of travel in Europe. Yeah. April's going to be much nicer. You were convinced that that tour was not going to happen though. So. Well, and I was right. And you were, yeah, look at you now, world. <laughs> okay, the show I, I, takes... It, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. no, you go, you go. What I was going to say is that I was appreciative of everyone's optimism at that time. <laughs> I, I wish I could have been more hopeful, but I had reason. No, looking back at that time, I wouldn't even qualify that as optimism. I would qualify that as delusion. Like, I wasn't hopeful that the show no, was going to happen. Yeah. I was convinced that it was going to happen. That COVID, I was convinced that the book tour was going to happen. When when we went home into lockdown on March 16th and the book tour is like May 5th, I was convinced that this was a two-week pandemic and she didn't she took a, a long time to not cancel the book tour. So I was like, "Oh, we're all in this yeah. together. Like we're going to do the book tour no matter what. It's going to be great." Yeah. I was delusional. So. No, and then think, I mean, that the, the the European tour was supposed to happen like almost two years after that. I know, and it got I know, canceled. I know. 
Yeah, it's wild. So that's how long our pandemic lasted. Jesus. Uh, um, the show world. takes place at a theater called the Sebastopol Theater, and it starts at 8 p.m. That's the ticket time. What do you know about the theater? The Sebastopol Theater. The Teatro. Teatro Sebastopol. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Um, so I know it's in, it's in Beaux Arts style, and that it's one of the signature architectural pieces of the city. And the pictures look really cool, including the interior of the venue. But I don't much know much else about the venue. Besides that, it's very centrally located. Oh, it is? It's, it's right, right, in, right the... in the center of the city. Oh. Um, it's right near a metro stop. It's walking distance from uh, the Grand Place, which is the main square in Old Lille. And just a few, uh, a few minutes beyond that is the train station. So it can't be in a better location. It's where all... All the restaurants and bars are. It looks very ornate from the outside. Um, yeah, it's, majestic. Yes, and it's it's also majestically situated on a on a square. Yeah, like it it has pride of place in the city. It really does. It's tell. like standing tall. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, those little like arched windows in the front are a little puffed out chest. I love it. Yes, yeah. yes, that's very um, very French. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> okay. Good. Yes. Um, so the venue's in the city center, and that's the fun part of the city. Basically has everything that we need. So we arrive early in the morning. We throw our bags in the hotel that we're staying at, and we start exploring the Citadel. Maybe I convince you to have a little beard papa. Is that, is that mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe uh, I... beard. Barb, barb de papa. Oh, barb de papa. Maybe I get you to have a little barb de papa. Someone's going to criticize my French, I know, but <laughs> it's something like that. Hey, it's better than mine. And now we're <laughs> now we're looking for things to eat, obviously. What are we going to eat? So if you head back into the very center of Old Leo, the, the Grand Place, there is a big uh, fancy food court market hall place called Grand Seine, like Grand Seine. Mm-hmm. And they have a, it would be a great place to go for before the show if, we, if there's a large group, because it's, kind of, it's like a food court. You can order a bunch of different types of street food, uh, oh. both local and international. And there are big, long tables. There are two bars that serve uh, all sorts of cocktails and wine and beer. And it's a great place for everybody to get together because you can go get grab whatever type of food you want. This is great. You can go to grandsen.com, which I'll link to in our show notes, songsoftraymus.com. And I'm obsessed with the graphic design, but there's like a ton to eat. There's practical information, lots to drink. There's like burgers, tacos. They have tacos called Le Guarita. Yeah, they have tacos. It looks it looks like they have like poke bowls. Yeah, under moon. They have they have these gorgeous. I love these these um do you see any pictures of the, the buckwheat crepes? You know, yes. The brown crepes? Yes. With, like the egg in them? Mm-hmm. That, those are from Brittany. They're de- they're delicious. Oh, wow. You can get are. them throughout France. So they're so good. And then there's like charcuterie boards here. There's lots of stuff. Yes, this looks amazing. I love a food court. It's like Grand Central Market here in downtown. Yes, exactly. It's something they've been doing in big cities. These, okay. uh, we have a timeout market here in Montreal now. Oh, great. And that's just like a yeah, food court? They, exactly. It's like an upscale food court. Um, they opened one across on Spring Street from like from LA Cafe, kind of. They opened like a whole other... They're trying to be like the new Grand Central Market. I can't remember what it's called right now, but mm-hmm. it's it, it's not... So they have a competitor now. Yeah, they do. It depends on like... Because, you know, no one likes to walk anymore. Yeah. There's more than one in Montreal, too. There's another one called like Le Central or something. Oh, yeah. But are, is that one like three blocks away from the other one? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe more like 10 or, oh, okay. or something, but... <laughs> 
Michael's been so good about this whole trip, like really taking into consideration more than I do sometimes my lactose intolerance, <laughs> how I just can't tolerate it. Yes. What am I going to do in France? Like, be honest with me. Just give it to me clear. Well, everywhere we're going, and I'm sure Lille is part of this, they're very metropolitan cities that ha- that cater to the needs of vegetarians and vegans. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it always, fun. people are very creative with their cuisine, and there's always a vegetarian or vegan option almost everywhere you go. I'm very excited. Are you going to look at me different if I just give and just eat all the cheese? I mean, French cheese, French wine, yeah, French food with butter in it. Oh my uh, God. It's just such an indulgent experience. It really I is. I wouldn't judge you. How You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stuff myself with cream. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be very, <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> Where else should we eat? So we're going to be there probably spanning three meals. We're going to eat probably lunch, dinner, and breakfast the next day. Is there any other things that you have on your list that people need to know about? So a really good tip for um, just about anywhere in France is that you can get a really high good value meal at a fancy restaurant if you go for lunch because there will always be like a a plate of the day or like a, a prefix like lunch menu where it's going to be significantly less and you get the same food for lunch for much less than you would spend for dinner. So if you want to have like an upscale dining experience, but you don't want to break the bank, go to that fancy restaurant for lunchtime. And that applies, that applies in Paris and it applies in Lille. And I'm sure it applies in Lyon as well. There's always, there's always a good lunch deal to be found. Lunch is like two or three usually, right? Um, yeah, that's a, maybe a little bit, maybe two, two thirty at the latest, but may, maybe, maybe three depending on, on the restaurant. But that would be the extremity. So aim for like 132. Yeah, 12, 12. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any, any time between 12 and 230. And are we, are we to expect breakfast in the hotel? Or <laughs> how does that work? Um, well, for us, it depends on how early we leave our train is in the morning. Now, when we leave Lille and head to Bordeaux, I think our train leaves around 1030. So we can have breakfast either in the hotel we could have breakfast in the train station or at a bistro just outside or a cafe just outside of the train station. Or you can even have a meal in the cafe bar on the train itself. Mm. So whenever your train leaves, if you have time to have breakfast in the hotel, if you have time in the train station, but if not, you can eat on the train. Excellent. I'm looking at these breakfast restaurants in Lille. There's Rococo. There's a breakfast, there's like a coffee place called Gorilla Food and Coffee, La Table. Mm, I, I saw that on YouTube. Oh, you did? Is it, does it look amazing? It does look really good. Um, you know, yeah, I think something people might want to know about France and coffee mm. is that you really want to look for some place that specializes in good coffee because every place will call itself a cafe, but that doesn't mean that their coffee is amazing. If you're like a real connoisseur of coffee, you want to like search Google for like good coffee places. Oh, good. So we've arrived in Lille. We've thrown our bags at the hotel. We've gone to the amusement park and had some bar de papa. We've eaten (laughs) at La Seine and we've had coffee at Gorilla Food and Coffee. We still have time to sightsee before the show because there are no meet and greets, unfortunately. There's not even an iPad this year. But anyway... Um, (laughs) We have time to sightsee, more time for us. Where are we going to go next? All right, so I've already recommended the the Citadel Park. I've mentioned the Grand Place before, but that is is the main place to see the very center of the city and the historic architecture. 
the architecture of the old city of Lille is a is a mix of Flemish and French architecture, which makes the the city have a really unique and beautiful look. It has it's famous for its towers, its belfries, its bell towers. Mm. Some some of them are on uh, are listed as UNESCO heritage sites. There's one, I think the most famous one is right in the Grand Place. There's another one in the town hall that's um, really beautiful and famous. There's a bunch of old buildings around the Grand Place. There is a Museum of Fine Arts, the Palais des Beaux-Arts de Lille, and that is right by the venue, a fine arts museum. I, I don't know very much about what is included there, but that is the big art museum in Lille. Oh my God, that's gorgeous too. It's a yeah. palace where they keep art. Exactly. <laughs> I have to say, the... Evening lighting on this art museum is astounding. Like, you don't often notice the lighting outside of a building. Mm. <laughs> the lighting is fantastic. Yes. European cities are really good for that type of lighting. Yeah. Like, um, yes. Um, and if you ever go to Rome and Italy, like, all of, at night, all of the, the ruins are, are floodlit like that. It's amazing. I'm looking at this picture of another building that has the reflection of the Fine Arts Museum in the in the in the glass wall. I'm going to post that at soundstrainus.com. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I can't wait. I have I have three different ideas for like long form video projects for the whole tour. I just want to uh-huh. get. I really want to get good. You know, some of my best TikToks, as you know very well, have been my travel TikToks. <laughs> yes. I want to get a lot of footage. I hope you're down. Some of for... them have gone viral. Some of them have gone. How do you say yeah. viral? Um, but yeah, yes. I'm excited to get more footage. I'm excited to just be there. Mm-hmm. What's the thing you're most excited about for the whole tour? Um, our time in France, including Lille. Yeah. Because I think you're most excited about France, so that makes me most excited. I am. I never thought I would get to France. I, I, mean, I am sure you've heard me say that, but I really never thought I'd get to yes, France. Yes, I've heard you say that, say that on the podcast, and I... I find it interesting because in my mind, I think, because I think of the places I've been to and I'm like, so you thought you would be be in, you would go to Estonia before you would go to France? (laughs) Well, actually, because my friend Joy, she filmed a film in Estonia. So I'm like, that's that's easy. Yeah. That's realistic. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Anyone can get to Estonia. Joy did it. I can do it. (laughs) But how would you get to France? Uh, Well, exactly. How could I ever? Is there an airport there? It's because Brenda Walsh (laughs) spent the summer in France. (laughs) That's why. And she uh-huh. came back with a beret and an accent. <laughs> That's right, she did. And I thought, like, Is wow. that going to happen to you, too? I, uh, you better believe it. <laughs> of course it's going to happen to me. Uh-huh. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I just felt like I'm, it was so I'm exotic. I'm definitely buying you a beret. Please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Will they look at me funny if I wear my beret and speak in my poor French accent? <laughs> I'll do that in other. Um, I'll do that in other countries that aren't France. Yes, and then they'll think you're. Oh, he's just from France. Oh, he's just French. Yeah, he's very French. <laughs> it's just how they act. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to be doing this whole tour with you because we have a lot of little pockets planned along the way. We're going to see my friend in Shortens, Germany, which is like a place that no one would ever think that they're going to get to. But we just happen to coincide that with a day off. We're going to spend a, almost a week in Bordeaux just by skipping two shows in Scandinavia. But you've promised me that we're going to get to Scandinavia later and in a longer form is that true did you mean it yes i would love to spend more time in scandinavia in particular norway i've been there but i need to i need to spend more time there of course you have where have you been to oslo for tour shows um no i never saw tori there i was there independent of tori gasp (laughs) (laughs) i was in oslo when i was in bergen how many shows have you seen i've never we haven't asked you that here on the show how many shows what's your show count i believe it's 160 Four, maybe. It's in the 160s. Proud of you, babe. Oh, thank you. I try. 
I do what I can. Now we have eaten, we've sightseen. I want to talk about my record excursion because think of the France Gaul variations we're going to find in Lille. Think of all the records we're going to find in Lille. <laughs> and I found a, I found a cute, I'll post these to songsoftramus.com, but there's a lot of record stores in Lille, surprisingly. And I'm excited about traveling and finding things that I would never find otherwise. And I found this incredible vinyl traveling case, which I'm going to post also on songsoftramus.com on the show notes page. It holds up to 25 records. It still feels like a personal item, so you can still utilize it on planes with your carry-on. Of course, I'll have to report back in the moment to make sure that that's true. But it feels like it's (laughs) going to be the best of all worlds. Um, And it beats shipping things back to yourself and incurring the shipping costs that you're trying to avoid. So there's going to be a lot of record shopping. I mean, what if think about the Madonna variations you're going to find, and we'll be able to bring back with us. I'm excited. The imports, but they're not imports there. No, which means you don't have to pay the price for an import there. Exactly. <laughs> that's my that, yeah. That's why we're going. Um, but once we've record shopped at all these wonderful record stores, and we've gone to the show, and she's played Josephine for us, what are we going to do after the show? Are there any gay bars? What's the gay scene like? There are gay bars, and there is one just a short walk from the venue. What? It's called Silom Bar. S-I-L-O-M Bar. Silom. Silom. It has five stars on Google. I'm looking at the pictures. Yes, and and the reviews say that the place is um, an excellent place to go out. The staff is very nice and professional, and it has a cool atmosphere. And they have an Instagram, Silom Bar Lille, which I'm about to follow. And they're open until 2 a.m. They're open until 2 a.m. on Saturdays. Perfect. That's perfect. If you go to their Instagram right now, everybody, most gay bars will show like shots of everybody having fun, getting wasted, you know, cute drag queens, whatever. This Instagram for Salome Bar Lille is much more aesthetic than that. It's like, uh, it's got like gorgeous fog shots, like shots of the architecture within, like the brick wall. <laughs> I'm obsessed. That's how I like to keep my Instagram. <laughs> So yeah, we're yeah, going. It's all about the ambience. Do you like a gay bar? I do. I like having a good drink with my community. Oh, me too. I agree. I like to spend money in gay spaces. Yes. Yes. Support gay businesses. Exactly. And keep and keep our spaces around because what happens as we as the positive is that we gain uh, mainstream acceptance, but the the negative is that we lose the spaces that were exclusively ours when things weren't as good for us. Mm-hmm. So just keep these gay bars around because it's nice to still have that. Yeah, I think that we all kind of know to post-pandemic, like everything, like the fault line shut, like a lot of gay bars here in LA shut that we would go to. So um, it's yeah, more it's important here now than too. ever. Yeah. So tell us what the tipping culture is like in France. What are we doing? What are we planning to do? What I would say is, you know, in a, in a sit-down restaurant, I would tip maybe 10%. Often French people will just round up to the nearest, you know, full uh, $5 or $10. Pretty informal, and nobody's going to be uh, offended or taken aback if you don't tip because they certainly don't expect it. And it's certainly not expected with, like, counter service or bartenders. That's been my experience. And they don't make it easy. Like, I remember going out with Priya at one point, like, in her, like, neck of the woods. They don't make it easy to tip. Like, you know, that you tap and there's no tip screen. No. It's not like, uh, yeah, you're with like... Those, with those handheld machines, you, if you want to leave a tip, um, you want to let them know as they're entering the, uh, the amount and before they, before you put your card in and before you tap your card, you want to let them know that to add a tip. 
Good to know. What else are we like? What's what? Any other warnings or things that we need to know about this city? About Lille? What do we need to know? Warn us about Lille. <laughs> um, again, I can only really reiterate that it's a it's a region that's apart from the rest of France. It's part of French Flanders, and it has a real mix of Belgian, Flemish, and French cultures. So it's be prepared for it to be very much its own uh, its own kind of place. And we have to now. We have to. Re- we have our request. We have to request on the boundary. Uh, oh yeah, in Lille. That would be great. <laughs> She's played it before, but I've never heard it live. I have in LA, 2011. Well, I wasn't there. <laughs> oh damn it! Um, what else do we need to know? That's all. That's all I've got. <laughs> For that's those, what I've researched and. That's what I'm going with. Michael, that is plenty. That spreadsheet is gorgeous. It is filled out to completion. I've already printed out all our tickets because I'm treating this like a 2002-2003 tour where everything's printed out in advance in a folder because tickets have exchanged hands so many times in the two years since we bought Mm. them, basically, that I don't want anything to happen. And my greatest fear when we get to a box office or when we get to anywhere is that they're going to try to scan the ticket and be like, oh, no, you need to exchange this for the current ticket. And then it's going to be no internet. And like my service is going to be like, it's just a nightmare. So I've got everything printed out. Don't worry. That's what I can do. Still printing for my work. (laughs) Yes. I don't don't think we're going to have to worry too much about that. I'm feeling confident that it will go very smoothly. Okay, good. As long as you feel confident, I do as well. <laughs> and the meet and greet situation, here's an update because this is the last new episode of this batch. The meet and greet update is that there are no meet and greets. <laughs> There's no iPad. Sarah will be outside the venues from 12 to 1 every day to collect cards, gifts, letters. Even though this is a brand new episode, it's not immune to changes. We recorded this yesterday, and since we recorded it, we have information that Sarah's actually going to be at the venue 12 to 12.30, not 12.30 to 1, 12 to 12.30. So it's a little earlier than we expected. So come early if you can. If you need someone to drop off a letter and you're not going to be able to make it to the venue, you can email us the letter, but make sure you contact us on Instagram or Twitter first at songsoftraymus.com. I can print it out for you and get it into one of the bags at some point. So don't worry. I'm disappointed by not no video iPad, but still, I think it's going to be a lot less stress to not have to get to the venue by a certain time, <laughs> like to just be able to explore. Um, yes, it's, those meet and greets take, eat up a lot of the schedule they really when, do. They, when they were going on. Yeah, and even though I say like I don't want to be there, I still end up like getting there somehow <laughs> and wasting like an hour. I know, yeah. I know. But you know, the the negative is, is that is that they're not happening. The positive is that we will have more time to explore the places we're visiting. Can we take romantic pictures? Yes. Oh, cute. Okay, good. I'm not. There's, I don't think. I don't think there's a. I don't think there are pictures that aren't romantic when they're taken in Europe. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Follow Michael on Instagram at Michael Westhoff. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. You really saved Uh, the day. It was a pleasure. I love you. I love you too. And you've saved not only the day, but you've saved the tour. Like, look at, I mean, I'm telling y'all, after the tour's over and the personal information doesn't matter, I'm going to publish this spreadsheet. It's a work of art. (laughs) (laughs) I should copyright it as my own work. You You really should. Thank you for listening to the show, everybody. We're going to play On the Boundary from Los Angeles, December 18th, 2011. I already have the, I mean, I have the date burned in my memory. (laughs) Bye.
But you got caught up in the river. I was there to save you, boy. But you'd rather drown. You said you were unhappy, but that was all better than not knowing what's on the other side and 
Tour All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information or links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoryamus.com.